How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Amen. Amen. Um, as you see, on the, we're going to go to 1 John 2, 28. Um, so I was asked to share this story, so I guess I'm going to have to. Uh, uh, I don't know if you know who Brother Wayne is. Uh, probably the shortest preacher in town, if you know. I mean, he, is, he was preaching at Highland Baptist Church. It's the first time I got baptized. I've been baptized three times. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, uh, man, he was just sitting there, and I leaned over to him. I said, hey, hey, pastor. He said, what? I said, do you mind if I do a cannonball? <laughs> and he said, he just, he just smiled, and he said, do whatever the Spirit leads you to do. <laughs> Probably the worst advice you could have gave me that time. So uh, I, I, I got to baptize the drums, I think one of the guitars. I mean, that water went all over the pulpit everywhere, and I... Uh, I didn't cannonball, though. I did a can opener, if you know the difference. Um, but I'm a big boy, always have been, so it, it was a big splash, and uh, I feel really bad thinking back to it, to be honest with you. Because, I mean, it, the water's already up to here to him, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a tidal wave. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm going to give you all just a little background. Um, that's the reason we're not. We're actually going to be in First John. I think we start at verse four, but I want to give you just a little background before we get there, because um, honestly, if we don't, you're you're probably all going to feel like you're not saved. Just to be honest with you, because verse six simply says this: No one who abides in Him keeps on sinning, and no one who keeps on sinning has either seen Him or known Him. So, unless one of you have landed the whole not sinning thing in your life, then you're going to think that you don't abide in Him. So I just want to handle this really quick. Uh, let me give a brief introduction, then we're going to pray. Um, no, you know what? Let's pray first. Father God, we thank You for another day. We thank You for Your goodness and Your grace, Father. We thank You that You are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. There is none before You and there will be none after You, Lord. And God, we ask that you would just cleanse our hearts, purify our souls right now, Father, so we can receive your implanted word, Father. Open our ears and our eyes and our hearts to your word. And Lord, as we receive it, we pray that it transforms us and renews us, Father, and that we leave changed and not the same. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, so one thing to know about 1 John and youth, you got to be listening because they're going through 1 John right now. Um, John was actually combating a bunch of different heresies um, or heretics or false teachings. And one of the biggest ones he was combating, combating was this, this one called Gnosticism. Okay? Gnosticism is the belief that matter, and this is just one of the beliefs in it, that matter as in flesh is evil and spirit is good. So sin committed in the body had no connection to your spirit. So in other words, you could live as much in as much sin as you wanted to, because anything done in the flesh does not determine where your soul ends up. They believe that your spirit was good, so that's okay. Now, one of the issues with this is that they believe that with Jesus. They believe that Jesus could sin all He wanted to, but when He died on the cross, His spirit was cleansed. His spirit was clean, because it doesn't matter what you do in the flesh. As we know, I hope all you know, that is completely wrong. Um, the reason why I brought up just this one thing that Gnosticism... That's the last time I'm saying it. Uh, um, the reason I'm bringing that up is because I believe this is where John actually combats this belief um, in his letter. So, um, but let me just give you just a little bit. Let's go to 1 John 2.28. And if y'all will stand just for one scripture for the reading of God's Word, and then y'all can sit down. Okay. This is what it reads. 
And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, you may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. Okay, y'all going to be seated. Um, I just want to lay out... <laughs> this is a Pastor Anthony thing to do. Uh, I want to lay out four points just really quick, and then we'll get into the message, okay? <laughs> um, so, number one... Um, Verses 28 through 29, let's read 29. If you know that He is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of Him. Living righteously does not save you. Living righteously proves that you are saved. Okay? So um, we are saved by grace through faith, period. Um, and, and the reason I say that is because, again, as we get into, this, into, into the words, you're going to start questioning like, I might not be saved then. And that's not a bad question. I'm not going to say that. But, um, but the thing behind it is that I just want you to understand that you living righteously, it's just evident that the Spirit is inside of you. Okay? So every single, every single time a believer sins, it doesn't mean that they're about to go to hell for sinning. It just means that you sin and you need to repent of that sin. But it doesn't, it doesn't take away your salvation. I want you to understand that. Um, number two in verse, uh, verse one of chapter three says this, see what kind of love the father has given to us that we should be called his children of God. And so we are the reason why the world does not know us in that, in that it did not know him. I'm in, um, in the ESV, by the way, um, verse three, one says this, and I believe that John was this reason why I wanted to go over these four points. Cause he laid this out before he got into these next verses. So number one, when you abide in Him, it equals righteousness. In other words, righteousness is proof that you abide in Him. And then He just goes out and says, hey, I just want to let you know, this is the second point, we are saved only because God called us His children. It is not by your good works. It is because He has called you out of darkness into the light. He has opened your eyes to your sinful nature, and you have seen His goodness, and you have leaned everything that you have on Him. He is your Savior, and He is your Lord. Um, and then we go into verse number 2. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we, will, what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. Okay, this is the third point. We are not, perfect, we are not perfected yet, okay? And that, that's, that's the reason why I say just because you're a Christian and you, you struggle with sin... You're going to struggle with sin until he comes back, period. There's no, there's no and if or's about, about that. It's just the fact is, is that I believe a lot of times, I know with me in, in my young life, every single time I sinned, I felt like I was, I was just going to go to hell. Like, you know, I was just terrified of it. And I, now that I have sons, I know that every single time they sin, I want them to think I'm going to spank them. Don't get me wrong. But I don't want them to think that I'm going to throw them out of the house I don't want to think that they're not a part of the family anymore, you know. And I think so many times we take God's love and we we literally put it in a box and say, well, and first one is a huge one. If we sin this way, he'll be okay with it. But if we sin this way, he's probably gonna he's probably gonna kick me out of the family. And I think that's a that's a danger of today's um, society. Um, let me just put it this way: I believe that Christians have a have a big big a big issue with homosexuality, but they don't have an issue with gluttony. But they don't have an issue with pornography, right? And, and so 
Sin is sin, and we've got to get that through our mind. See, once we actually see that, I believe, I'm getting a little off, but I believe in First John when he says that um, you can't love your brother who you have seen. You can't not love your brother who you have seen and say you love God who you have not seen. I think the reason he's saying that is because God has shown us our sin. When you are a Christian, when you are truly born again, you see your sin for what it is, and you can't judge other people because you know you are just rotten. I mean, is anybody else rotten in here? Amen. I only got two hands on that, so. I'm going to switch the sermon up really quick. Uh, now, um, okay. And then the, the, fourth, the fourth thing in this is verse 3. Um, and everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as he is pure. In other words, whoever hopes in Christ's return will strive to live purely in Him. In other words, we give ourselves over to the Lord and He purifies us. And we strive to live righteously. And see, the beauty of this is that if you understand that you are only saved because God has saved you, then it makes you want to live for Him. But if you're always on the fence of like, oh, if I break this law, I'm, I'm, I might be in, you know, I'm trying to think of the term. I've tried to think of it four times. I, I might be going to hell if I sin this way, but if I live righteously, I won't. And, and it's just like we go back and forth. God doesn't want that. He wants to say, you are saved. You are saved. I hold you. Nothing can pull you away from my love. Okay? And when I learned that, I started living way more righteously because I'm like, I don't deserve it. I'm not worthy of it. A lot of us will always say, um, well, we didn't believe we were worthy of, of God's love, so we don't want to, you know, we didn't want to give ourselves to Him. And I'm like, you're not worthy of it. Never will be. Never were. You're not worthy of God's love. That's the beauty of it. He loves you even though you are not even close to worthy of it. Amen. Okay, so those are the first four points. Um, Number one, living righteously is proof that you abide in Him. Number two, we are saved because God has called us His children, and that is the only reason. Number three is we are not perfect yet. We will be perfected when Jesus comes back. And then number four is whoever hopes in Christ will strive to purify himself in Christ. Um, and the reason why I want you to, to get these is because I don't want you to think today that if you sin or you struggle with sin, you're going to lose your salvation. But I couldn't think of a, I could not think of a title, okay? Um, it just, I just couldn't think of one. And so it's where are you? That's all I could think of when I was reading this. Where are you in your spiritual walk? And the real question is, is, are you even in a spiritual walk? Or did you just pray a prayer one time and now you're good? Um, I believe that John is laying this out for us in here. Um, he not only was talking about testing yourself, but also testing the teachers that were over them. They had people seriously teaching them that you can do whatever you want in this body. And then your spirit, once it dies, it's good, so it's going to go to heaven. And he was combating these things. And, and so as we dig into the Scripture, just keep that in mind. Okay. Here's the sermon. Um, We're in verse 4. And this is what it said. Whoever makes a practice of sinning, we'll actually read all the way through 10. Whoever makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You know that He appeared in order to take away sins, and in Him there is no sin. No one who abides in Him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen Him or known Him. Little children, let no one deceive you. 
Whoever practices righteousness is righteous and he as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning of the devil for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Sorry, I read that wrong. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. Now, if you read that with me, you could definitely go, okay, well, I, ain't, I ain't saved, <laughs> right? I mean, he just sat out, he just pretty much said a couple times, he said, listen, if you keep on sinning, you're not saved. That's what he was saying there. That's what we can take from it. This is why context is so important in the Bible. You don't just take a verse and, and make it fit your life. Okay, You make your life fit the Scripture. And the only way you can do that rightly is actually going into context with it and actually reading through the book. And so um, verse 4 says, And everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. The word practice here, I'm going to try to get this, is poieo. It's the Greek word poieo. And what that means is to bear, to produce, or to shoot forth. Or this is probably one of my favorite ones, to render one anything, to render unto something. Um, it literally means it's who you are. Okay? It means that all the fruit that you're producing is sin. It means that everything that you're putting forth in your life is sin. It means that you're literally rendering yourself unto sin. Um, so, if somebody is rendering their self unto sin, we have to assume one thing, that they don't feel guilty about it, that they have no conviction. They're just literally living in the sin. You know, there is a difference. I can attest to this in my own life. There is a difference to win because when I, when I became a Christian, when God saved me, I still struggled with the same exact things that I struggled with before, right? The difference was is that I struggled with them after I got saved. The difference is, is that I had the Spirit of God telling me, you know this isn't right and you don't need to do it. And even though I would choose to do it, I had the conviction and I went and turned back and said, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry, I want to do better. Somebody asked me one time, what's the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian, but you know they both go to church? I always told people, on whether or not they're fighting their sin. I believe that's the, the, the evidence of it. Um, not whether or not they sin, whether or not they're fighting their sin. Um, there's a song I think all of us know here. It's called Break Every Chain. There's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. And I was, I've, I, oof, I've always led worship singing that song, and I realized something. Um, and I hope I'm not wrong on this. Y'all will let me know if I am. Uh, but <laughs> I realized something, that there is only one chain, and it is sin. And when we get saved, that chain is broken. Now, after we're saved, we don't have to keep singing, oh, we need our chains broken. We need No, He broke them. We may pick them up and throw them over our neck and walk with them, but they are still broken. We just choose to pick them up and put them on, but we are never enslaved to sin again. We have the choice not to sin. And I think so many times when we're singing that song, you'll have Christians that have been Christians for 10 years, including, including myself. I'm telling you, this just happened the other night at CR when I was leading worship, and I just completely, it just hit me, and I just spoke what I felt because it was against everything I've ever believed in. <laughs> and uh, you'll have people come up and say, well, 
I got this, something's going on in my life and it's got chains wrapped around me and I need God to break those chains. If you're saved, the chains are broken. Period. No, you just got to take them off and lay them at the foot of the cross. They, they ain't got you enslaved. You are not enslaved to sin any longer. Amen? Um, so, sin is lawlessness. That's what it tells us here in verse 4. Um, to, to, to put it into our terms, lawlessness means to sin is anything to do against God's law. Now, this is a funny story. I'm excited to tell this one. Um, the last sermon I ever preached as a youth in uh, Wednesday class, I believe it was the last one right before I went to BCF, Ronnie got about six parents that called him and said, did you know Jelly said this? And Ronnie's like, yeah. And what I said is that I was preaching on following the Holy Spirit and how you can throw the Ten, Commandment, Ten Commandments out the back door. And uh, now... <laughs> And so that one sentence that I said uh, blew up, and uh, I felt horrible. I didn't know, because I believed, even after Ron talked to me, I believed I was right. But, like, I felt horrible because what if I wasn't? You know what I mean? It was like, I don't, I don't know. And uh, now that I'm more mature, just a little bit more mature, um, I see that I should have went to a little bit more in depth than just saying throw the Ten Commandments out the back door, okay? Um, because truth about it is that, um, we are led by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit would not let us go against the Ten Commandments. That's what I should have said. <laughs> Instead, I was like, yeah, you just go on what the Holy Spirit tells you, and you can throw them things out the back door. And it was <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> um, but uh, it just, it, that always just cracked me up because I don't, I feel bad often, but there's some times you just feel like you're going to throw up because you feel so bad. That was one of those times. <laughs> um, as Christians, when we get saved, we become lovers of God's law. See, God completely, and we'll get into this. This is one of the last points. God will completely transform our lives to where we hated God's law, and now we love it. That is the whole point of becoming a new creation. That is why salvation is on God alone, because we can't in anything inside of ourselves love God's law. And what people don't understand, um, I forgot who I was talking to the other day, said, you know, I don't want to give up everything that I love to do to follow God. And I said, well, that's the thing about it. When you end up, when, when God saves you, you do everything you love to do, and that is following God and following His commandments. You realize that none of this carnal stuff even matters. It doesn't. Can you all attest to that one? Hmm? Does getting drunk matter? No, it doesn't. Sex outside of marriage doesn't matter. Pornography doesn't matter. See, the thing about it is that, and, and this is where people get confused, salvation is from God can only come from God. Paul Washer puts it this way. If 99.99% of salvation is on Jesus and 0.01% of salvation is on us, we are going to go to hell every single day. Right? Every single day. Because 100, 100, 100% of salvation has to be on Jesus. Amen? Amen. Okay. All right. The Spirit of God will not let us break the law without guilt, shame. And th th this is the only way I can put this, just, just purely being uncomfortable. Um, I don't know if that's guilt or shame to you, but to me it's just like I cannot sin and feel okay. I just don't. Um, so, and, and, and while I'm asking these things, where are you 
Do you feel that way when you sin? If you don't, you need to really, really check yourself and check your salvation. Because as we learn in the last verse of John, 1 John 3, that the Spirit bears witness, and that's how we know we're saved. If you can sin and have no guilty conscience about it and just live like it's every other day, there's a really, really good chance. John would probably argue that you are not saved. Salvation never took place in the first place. Um, Lawlessness is more than breaking God's law. It is complete rejection of it. To To live as if there is no law at all. That's what lawlessness is. So, are you living as if God's law doesn't matter to you? Let me ask you this. Does your life bear the fruit of Matthew twenty-two thirty-six through 40? Let's run there really quick. Matthew twenty-two thirty-six. We'll actually start in 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked a question, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now get this last part. And these two commandments depend on all the law and the prophets. Amen? So is your life producing the fact that you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? And is also producing that you love your neighbor as yourself? That's only a question that you can answer yourself. Because let me tell you something. I could look at Kevin, Pastor Kevin. Am I allowed, am I allowed to call you Kevin? That's <laughs> Pastor Kevin and... Uh, I can look at Pastor Kevin, and I can see him being super nice to Pastor Nick. And, uh, but truly, Kevin in his heart is doing it for selfish reasons. But on the outside, everybody's like, man, Kevin's such a nice guy, such a good guy. And what can do is that, and why I say that is because Kevin is the only person that's accountable for Pastor Kevin. And what we can do is we can do all these things on the outside, but forget about the inside. And if you guys haven't read Matthew 5, just go read it, okay? Jesus did not come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. And what that means is that Jesus fulfilled the law, and we love Jesus, so what do we do? We love the law. Amen? And you can't do that on your own works. So ask yourself the question, where are you today? Find the areas in your life that are not bearing these fruit and cut them off. Don't play around with them. You know, one thing, and I understand with addictions, you know, you got to kind of wing yourself off because of your physical body. But other than something being physical like that, cut your sin off. Cut it off. Don't wing yourself off of it. Don't say, well, you know what? I'm going to choose to do it only two days this week, and then next week I'll do one day. No, cut it off. Just cut it completely off. And then what you do... And I know all you guys probably, I hope all you guys got it in your head what you're struggling with. I hope all you guys got this in your head of what is causing you not to bear these fruit. Now I want you to think of the thing that does cause you to bear these fruit. Whether it be fasting, reading the Word, whatever it is. 
and water it. Water it. Take care of it. Let it be the most important thing to you in your life. Whatever pulls you closer into the arms of God, let that be the one thing that pulls you and that you water. And so then, so then you're spending all your time watering the good things that bear the fruit that are supposed to bear fruit. And then all these other things, you've cut them off at the root and said goodbye to. And as we know this, I'm not a gardener at all, but that's not an easy process at all. And uh, a lot of times, if they're big enough trees, you probably need actual equipment to do so. Don't try to do it just yourself. I mean, spend some alone time with God and ask Him, God, what do you want out of my life? Um, I was going to write down my list of things, but I'm going to tell you right now, one of them that God has just been laying on me is TV. Um, Not because I watch bad TV. But it's because if I have my Bible and my remote sitting beside one another, I'm going for my remote nine out of ten times. And uh, I truly believe that he has convicted me of it. And as of last week, I've been trying my best not to watch TV. Um, It's very hard. It is very hard. But God gives you the strength. He really does. And I've been actually doing very well with it. All glory to God for that reason. Um, really what I do is not put my Bible and my remote beside each other. I just try to throw the remote in the garbage, you know what I mean? Like, Because um, this is the point blank about it. A sinner such as myself, I'm going to keep running back into sin unless I get rid of that temptation and with God's grace and mercy to give me perseverance to actually get rid of that sin. That's the only way to do it. So, um, all right. Let's go to verse uh, 30. Nope, sorry. I'm going to go back to 1 John. Now, I promise you, I'm not going to close six times. If I, if I say I'm closing, we're going to be good. <laughs> well, I know if you, if you ever listen to Pastor Anthony preach... The first time he closes, you know you got about 40 minutes left. <laughs> and then I heard that uh, something like that happens here too, but I wasn't sure, you know. <laughs> um, so uh, we're going to go to verse 5 through 7. This is what it says. You know that he appeared, First John 3, 5 through 7, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sins. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. The, first of all, the first point in the sermon was sin is lawlessness. And that's the reason why we as believers do not want to sin. Okay, um, And this is why reason for believers for us to test our teachers and say, are they living as if sin is just something they love to do? Are they just abiding in sin? Are they absolutely loving doing everything they do? Because I'm telling you, that's what they're being taught these days. And I don't know about how you see the comparison, but compared to how these days are, how many churches do we got right now that are completely open to saying, hey, you know what? We don't care if you're we don't care if you're a sinner. We don't care if you choose to live in that sin habitually and be proud about it. We're gonna let you come in here, be a member, and teach. Right? That's a huge issue. That's a bit, especially, especially since it's sin and we serve a holy God. 
And what people don't understand, and I, I, um, I've tried to explain this to some of our youth, is that there is going to be so much accountability held to those preachers who allow their church members just to live in sin and then call it not sin. They call it, oh, it's just, it's just a way of life nowadays. See, God changes because the times change. I would love for you to show me that in the Bible. <laughs> I would love for you to show me that. Um, but in other words, we're going through these same things now. And so we got to test and make sure that, hey, are we living in lawlessness? And are our teachers living in law? The people that we take, our mentors, are they living in lawlessness? Number two, if we abide in Christ, He also abides in us. Now verse 24 in this says this right here. Whoever keeps His commandments abides in God, and God in Him. And by this we know that He abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given us. If we abide in Christ, He abides in us. If we can live in sin and have no remorse, no guilt, and just be comfortable... You are not saved because Christ has nothing to do with sin. Light and darkness cannot play around with one another. So check yourself on that. Where are you? Can you sin and not have any issue with it? Does it just not bother you? Just check yourself. Now at the same time, we're going to flip the script. If we can live in sin and we do have remorse and we do have shame, we do have guilt, and we're not comfortable. Because see, what we have here is two sinners. One's saved, one's not. And we have to remember that. They could be struggling in the same exact sin, but one of them isn't convicted by the Holy Spirit because he doesn't have the Holy Spirit. And then you have one who is convicted by the Holy Spirit because why? He has the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit bears witness on who's saved or not. Um, I know people. I know people that struggle... I know people. I know me, the guy looking in the mirror that struggles with sin every single day. I, I know the dude, and he's bad. I mean, I know his thoughts. Like, he's messed up, okay? But I also know that I have the Holy Spirit inside me because I know that I don't want that guy to come out. I don't want that guy. I don't want to follow him. I want to follow my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I want the Spirit to guide me and not myself. So, in other words... I'm not getting you to question your salvation. If you really, 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 really do feel uncomfortable when you live in sin, then there's a good chance you're saved, okay? But if you don't, you better check yourself now because Jesus could come back right now. Somebody could walk in with a gun. You never know what it could be. You could have a heart attack like that, and you would be faced with the judgment and the only thing that you have on your side would be the blood of Jesus Christ. And the only people who have that on their side are the people that are called and saved. So you better surrender everything over. Today is the day of salvation. Um, uh, verse number 8 says this, Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has, has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. We're going to start getting a little pumped up here. Okay, I like, I like this. Okay, this, this gets me, I'm pumped. That's what, you know, I'm excited. Uh, the reason why we choose not to sin is because we know Jesus took it away. He destroyed it. He destroyed the works of the devil. And what is the works of the devil? Sin. Sin is the works of the devil. He tore the veil. He broke the bondage of sin. He died in your place. He took your sins onto the cross. Uh, 
Satan wants you to carry your guilt and sins, but Jesus took your sins on himself and died for you. See, Jesus overcame the grave so you don't have to fear death. You are not a slave to sin anymore. He broke the chains. Jesus did not die for you to go running back to to the one thing that he set you free from. Um, You know, I'm not going to get on it too much, but this whole COVID thing, um, I don't fear COVID because the worst thing COVID can do to me is kill me. And as a Christian, I don't fear death. It is a pathway into heaven. Amen. It is just a door where I get to go to eternal peace. I went to a funeral this week, and um, I didn't—I didn't know her too well, but I do believe she was saved. And uh, I just sit at funerals. I sit back at people that I believe were saved. I sit back and I go, you know, we are down here crying and talking and doing all this, and they are literally just sitting with Jesus. <laughs> Like and just enjoying the peace that surpasses all understanding. Amen? Is that not just... You should envy the dead. <laughs> you really should. And, uh, and, and I believe um, way before uh, I got everything in my mind to where, like, where, what I know now, um, I didn't understand the resurrection of Christ. I understood the death. I understood why we need that. But I really didn't understand, you know, what was the point in him rising three days later? Didn't he rise Lazarus? And then somebody told me, hey, well, Lazarus died again, right? Jesus didn't. He ascended. And I know to me in my own life, what it means is that I don't have to fear the one thing that Satan can dangle over your head. Death is our biggest fear, period. I, I truly believe that. And, and even though I may not fear death for myself, I couldn't imagine losing one of my sons, you know? Um, in a way, I fear that. It, it kind of freaks me out, per se. Like, I'm like, I don't want to do it. I, I, even, I feel like the Lord kind of uh, snaps me back into reality because the other day I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm not scared of death, all this stuff. And then I had a dream that uh, me and the boys got in a car wreck. And as I was waking up, we were going underwater. And I, I woke up just, <gasps> you know, like, you know, when you wake up, like, like oh, you know, and, uh, and, God was opening my eyes and saying, you still fear death a little bit. And you know what fear of death is? This is just, fear of death is lack in belief of eternity. And uh, he just, he's revealing himself to me in a lot of ways that way. This is the last point. Uh, This is verse 9. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning. The reason why Christians don't enjoy sinning is because we are a new creation in Christ. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 18, and I am closing, worship team. Um, And this is what it says. I actually know what 17 says, but I want to go to 18 too because it was so good. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. See, one thing that people don't understand, and I know I've talked to Pastor Kevin about this and Pastor Anthony, is I believe that a lot of people, when they're spreading the gospel, all they do is talk about God's love for them 
and how your life gets so much better and all these things. And we fail to remind people that the Bible says that we are enemies of God until we are under His Son's blood. And I, I want to tell you this. If you're not saved today, you are an enemy of the Creator of the universe. He does not play around with sin. He does not play around with darkness. And if you're not saved, you are walking in darkness. Um, James tells us that people who are uh, friends with this world are enemies of God. And then I think Romans talks about how we are amenity. Is that the word? In, yeah, amenity. We are literally God's enemies. And that's why it's so important to understand. See, once you understand how much you hurt, how much you sin against God and how much you're an enemy of God, once you understand that and see that He sent Himself to die on a cross, that's when it like clicks for you. You know, that's cool. This guy came down from heaven, died on the cross. You're like, okay, awesome. But then once you see that, hey, I'm an enemy of God, and He still sent His Son. That While we were still yet sinners, He sent His Son to die on the cross to be a propitiation for our sins. See, I didn't get saved. Again, I've been baptized three times, y'all. Okay? Um, I didn't get saved. And I prayed that prayer probably, the sinner's prayer probably... 10 times, 20 times. Um, I got saved smoking dope behind the back of my trailer with my best friend. And I got sobered up and looked at my best friend and said, this is wrong. I believe that is when the moment of salvation is. I did not pray a prayer. I did not do anything. God just said, I'm going to save you. And what He did is He tore the veil See, Satan has a veil over everybody's eyes, and the only person that can tear that veil is God. And that's it. Pastor Kevin.